This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 22 of the Wisdom by Wisa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Gela. Welcome to the Wisdom by Wisa podcast on the Horse Radio Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WISA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. Sophia, so the first WISA June market is just a month away. Is there going to be anything new? Yes. So besides the June market itself being new, we'll also have a booth just for the associations and the organizations that we support throughout the year. Are some of those organizations going to be at the market that we talked about last time on the show? Yes. So some of the ones that we talked about last week, like the Pony Club, Path, and Urban Farm. And this, in June, at the market, of Wisdom by Wisa will actually have a booth, right? Yeah, so for anyone that actually wants to meet the voices behind Wisdom by Wisa, we'll have a booth, which is close to the social arena, so pretty easy to find. And exhibitors or attendees can just come up and ask questions or get involved themselves, suggest a guest, and we'll even have a live recording on Thursday morning, hosted by the Horse Ready Network, as they will be recording the Horses in the Morning show. How exciting. And for more information on that, you can go to horseradionetwork.com and also remind us of the June dates for the market again. That's going to be June 19th through the 21st. Great. Well, let's get to our guest today. We have a really great guest. Most people would agree the top athletes in any sport rely heavily on having top quality, state-of-the-art athletic shoes and equipment to help them compete. Up until a dec- decade ago, Mike Saranji, who was an avid writer, worked for firms making uh, athletic shoes and later worked in the energy drink field. He realized that the top athletes in the equestrian sports, the horses, had just as much need for top quality protective wear as their human counterparts. So he changed careers, started Magic Equip, began designing technology-based protective products utilizing modern materials and state-of-the-art technology. The concept has taken off, and he's with us today to tell the story. Hey, Michael, thanks so much for taking the time to appear on the Wisdom by WISA podcast. My pleasure. Looking forward to this. You and I had a nice little conversation a week or so ago. I went on the company's website. Uh, You have arrived as a full-time business in the horse world from a different track that most people have. Maybe what we do is we talk a bit about your background with some of the major brands and what you cherry-picked from your ideas and inspiration to start your current company. That's, That's a good place to start. So go right ahead. Oh, okay. I'll delve right into it. Um, my wife and I have both uh, ridden horses on and off most of our lives. And, you know, in, in, in during the period of riding, both as teenagers and then as adults, uh, you know, we've used various equipment, everything from, 
tack to apparel to uh, safety equipment and so forth. And, and we came at this from a point of frustration, how the company really started. We felt that, that there wasn't a product on the market as far as leg protection was concerned. And I will circle back to why leg protection was such focus. We, we felt that we wanted something that w- gave us good bang for our buck. We didn't want to pay hundreds of dollars every time. And we didn't want to go too far down market because we felt that the products at the lower end of this price price spectrum just didn't deliver quite what we wanted in terms of protection and quality. And and the reason we were so focused on leg protection, there are actually two good reasons. One, no leg, no horse. And and two, our background was from uh, sports marketing and specifically my background was from footwear, athletic footwear. So I felt very comfortable kind of delving into anything that had to do with leg protection or in a way, you know, footwear. I looked at it for for the equine athlete. So that's kind of how we came at it. And and out of frustration, one day I I said, you know what, I can make make this stuff. You know, we're either paying hundreds and hundreds of too much dollars for product or we're buying cheaper product that doesn't really deliver. So I, we went ahead and started the design process of our first tendon boot, and that's where we started. It was just one tendon boot in two colors back 2011. So uh, that, that's how we kind of came at this. When you, and, um, when you started that process of design and you sat down and you thought of all the elements that you thought a good protective horse boot should have, what were those elements that you considered? Well, for, for me, it was, uh, again, going back to my background in, in footwear, it needed to work. It had to be functional. It had to be lightweight because I imagine just like a human athlete, the equine athlete doesn't want to have too much weight on its legs. You know, having to carry the saddle and the rider is bad enough. And, and of course, it needed to look nice. And the materialization was really important to me because I felt the materials that were being used in the equine industry were subpar to what was being used in the human athlete industry. And there's no reason um, to use subpar material. Good, you know, it, making a good product, in, in, I look at it as it's kind of like baking a cake or, 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 or um, making a nice dinner. If you start with yeah. good ingredients and you follow the instructions, hopefully you're going to have a decent result. Right. And ingredients are the materials that I you know, that we felt was important to be used in the product. So we started with good ingredients, high-grade quality materials, materials that are for, you know, at least the past 10, 15 years have been used in for the human athletes, and we applied it to our equine partners, our, our equine athletes. Sure. Once you design and manufactured your first set of boots, uh, what was the process then like to kind of try them out and test them out and see how they worked, how they functioned, and how you liked them? Well, that's always that leap, you know, from yes. design to sure. once you've got finished product. And and we chose um, the first product we ever made was injection molded. So injection molding is kind of a once you pull the trigger on the mold, it's a big chunk of steel. You can't kind of make it and then go back and go, oh, I want to nip and tuck this little corner. You can't do that. Right. Once you've cut the steel, you've cut the steel. Sure. And you, you are, you're stuck with it. So what we did was we started with, um, step one was 
come up with the sizing that's going to apply to the widest range of horses. Yes. And that was a big challenge. It's like, sure. okay, what, what, what do you go with? Um, you know, you, if you go too small, you've cut yourself out of the big chunk of the market. If you go too big, again, same story. You've limited yourself to the, only the very large warm bloods. So, you know, that was a big decision, how to come up with the right size that is going to give us the widest application in the market. And th- th- that came from just walking around the barn and measuring the horses and, and talking to the riders and talking to the trainers and, and coming up with, okay, what is, what is the optimum size entry into the market that's going to give us a wide range? Then the next step was coming up with, with the shape, the design. And again, we followed the same procedure. Talked to a bunch of trainers, looked at a bunch of product that we already owned ourselves between our three horses. And, you know, we had boxes full of different products, different boots, and come up with what is the optimum shape and, and, sure. and the lightest weight we can come up with while still protecting the horse. Mm-hmm. And those were kind of the steps we followed. And, and you know, the, 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 the first time you put the boot on the horse, you're always holding your breath, you know, to, to make sure that it's working. But but there is a lot that goes into the design process. We These days, there is a process called rapid prototyping, which is 3D printing. Yes. So before cutting that steel, we made quite a few RPs, rapid prototypes. Yes. Um, and and those, are, those really help you figure out um, where you might have to make some changes before starting to cut that big chunk of steel. So the rapid prototyping process really, really helps. It's not cheap and it's not available everywhere, but it really, really helps. It's a very interesting concept that you've basically brought the equine world up to date in technology and materials. And as you mentioned, at an affordable price point. But I'm guessing that soon top athletes took notice to your products. Well, you know, we we got we got. We got noticed first by retailers that wanted affordable, good oh, yeah. product. Sure. So the retailers found that the price point was a price point that they didn't shy away from. You know, they didn't have to justify it too hard for mm-hmm. the consumer to pick it up and give it a try, which was great. We were lucky enough to have been in a community in Southern California where we had access to riders and trainers who also were kind enough to um, believe in the product. And, 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 and get on get on board with the product. Believe it or not, the first pro rider mm-hmm. that put the product on his horse was Hap Hansen. Uh-huh. Do you, I, I don't know if you guys know who Hap is. but I, I don't know if all of our listeners will know who that is. Hap Hansen is one of the only U.S. Olympic riders that has 99 Grand Prix under his belt. One 99 Grand Prix. He represented the United States in two Olympics four or five Pan Am games, countless world equestrian games. He's a legend. And yeah. then um, we, we just happened to be lucky to run into his, to his, into his groom. And, and, and she agreed to, she liked the product. She you know, felt lightweight and good to her and looked right. And they tried it and they loved it. That's kind of, that was our first, first foray into, into the pro world was yeah. um, one of, one of the, you know, Biggest names that has ever represented the United States put the boots on his sure. horse. So, 
Yeah, and, and that really speaks a lot. I'm on your website right now, magicequip.com, and there's a picture of a polo player. And if anybody knows anything about polo, it's uh, very obvious that that is a, it's a hard sport. It's difficult on a horse. Uh, you know, it's, they it's perform tough, on grass. It's tough. It's, it's tough, tough on the sport. It's tough on the horse. It's tough on on the on the equipment. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, that, my wife a, and I both. My wife and I both play. So. You, oh, wonderful. Um, well, yeah, and that's, so we so we test the product. We both jump. We both play. So we test our products uh, in in various disciplines. So it gets it gets tested not just um, in the in the jumper world or the cross country world, the eventing world. It gets tested also in the polo world, where it really really it is tough on the product. So if it makes it through that trials, you know the product's going to last. It's got it's got durability. Sure. Well, and so. not just not just the quality of the product, but what I was kind of thinking, um, the performance that the horse has to make being a polo horse is uh, <laughs> quite distinct. And performing on grass, running, slowing down, stopping, all the things that you would say see a barrel horse do. And so that's kind of where I was trying to mesh that in, that if those boots are protective enough for a polo horse, then to me, it would seem plenty good enough for a barrel horse. You are extremely, extremely accurate. Your observation is dead on. The, the, the skills that a polo pony has are pretty much the same skills that a barrel racer has and the same skills that, that, that a cutting horse has because the movement from side to side, the stop and turns. In fact, quite a few polo ponies, polo horses, are uh, coming from the barrel racing world, coming from the uh-huh. cutting world and reining world. And, you know, it used to be just off-the-track thoroughbreds, but we're seeing more and more and more quarter horses and crosses coming into the polo field uh, who have the right skills and the right mind because the horse has to have the head for it as well. So, What are some of the testimonies you've received from people using your protective boots? What do they like about them? The range is, because the range is now widened, it used mm-hmm. to be, you know, we had five SKUs and life was simple. The, ra- the As the range widens, as, the, as we reach more and more consumers, we get more and more feedback. So really, divide it into different compartments. I'll compartmentalize it. Our eventing fans, our eventing world, what we get from them is the fact that they love the fact that the product's lightweight, breathable, mm-hmm. and, and, and it it's, doesn't absorb moisture because eventers in, in, mm-hmm. on the, on the cross-country course have to go through quite a bit of water. So our, our products are designed not to get heavy and not to absorb any water, any moisture. Sure. And yeah. they're extremely breathable. Everything is designed with breathability because cooling of the horse's leg or mm-hmm. keeping the horse's leg as cool as possible during performance is key. Sure. I, mean, I, don't have to, I don't have to talk too, far, too much about that. And that's the reason why we don't use certain products in our, sure. in, in, in our, in our manufacturing. Um, example, we make sure that all of our shells have a tremendous amount of breathability in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, um, uh, we are uh, not using um, neoprene uh, mm-hmm. simply because neoprene is an insulator. Right. And um, it, it was designed for wetsuits, and it does uh-huh. a beautiful job in wetsuits so people don't get cold in the water. Sure. But as an insulator, I think there are better products available to wrap around the horse's legs so that it, it, it doesn't get too hot. So we are very conscious of temperature. So th- those are the feedback we're getting. The boots yeah. are lightweight. They don't get hot. They don't absorb t- moisture. Um, mm-hmm. Our foams are mi- antimicrobial and they're hypoallergenic. So uh, we, you know, we never, we never encounter those uh, barn smells that can build up in boots, sure. which is bacteria growing 
We also use technology that is available to human athletes. So we use impact protection technology. Um, one of the products we use, cartilage that goes into the strike guards of most of our boots, mm-hmm. um, is a dilatant foam, which basically means it changes molecular structure when it's struck. So a hard impact on that foam changes right. the molecular structure for a millisecond, pushes the energy sideways up and down instead of through, and it avoids deep bruising. So, mm. you know, those, yeah. are, those are generally what, what we, what sure. we uh, get hear back. That I just had a picture we, come to me. Can we this. chat a bit about the sales and marketing side of it yep. just for a moment? Because, as you said, you have put a major investment into product design development and uh, fast prototyping. You're a business, not a hobby. Uh, if you're a business, then it means you want to generate revenue. And the revenue from your side of the business, I'm assuming and looking at the website, is both retail sales and direct sales online. Is that correct? We have a fair split between the two. And, and the, the way we navigate it is that we make sure that, um, again, because of the wide range of products, not every retailer is capable of stocking every SKU that we have. It very rarely can retailers you know, have 150 plus SKUs from the same company. So what happens is we, we look at our product very distinctly from, two, from a point of view of what we call a core product line, which is about 55 to 65 SKUs that we feel are a must-have at, from, at retail. And then the non-core line, which is the rest, which we stock all the time as best as we can in our warehouse. And we allow retailers to stock the core line and pull down on the non-core line as needed. Now, that doesn't always serve the customer the way it should because sometimes customers need something on a pinch. They need it in you know, 48 hours, 72 hours. There is no, sometimes there's no time to get it out to retail and then to get it to them. We allow customers to purchase from us directly only and only at full price. We never, ever discount against our retailers. So if they're buying it from our um, website, they're buying it at exactly the same price that they would buy it from one of our retailers, not a cent less. So we, we make sure that we protect our retailers best that we can by never breaking our own map. We expect them to stick to map and we stick to map. And that way, we, we hope we can strike a balance, allowing our consumers to reach the product anytime they want and as quickly as they want it, at the same time, keeping our retailers happy and motivated by never, ever, ever discounting against them. So, and we're one of the only companies... That well, I think that's, those, are two, uh, those are two key points. <clears throat> Coming out of the uh, major brands and industries that you worked in prior, have you also cherry-picked some of the marketing ideas that you learned in those other businesses and applied them to your company now? Well, you know, the, the, probably the single most important thing that comes into my mind is um, I used to work for a gentleman who now owns a small company called Skechers, um, the shoe company. And, and, <laughs> very small. And, uh, he, very, very small. And, and, he, he, and he, he used to say, unseen, unheard, unsold. So if your product isn't seen and heard by the consumer, you're not going to sell it. You can't keep it a secret. At the same time, having worked for major athletic companies who made technical product, and technical products are always a little bit harder to sell than 
uh, fashion product because people have to buy it for its technical reason, for its application more than its look. Although the look is always important, it has to look right. It has to look sharp. Um, We learned that we need to be able to explain the efficacy, the effects of the product. The, the, the what we call features and benefits. So we very carefully select how we communicate to our consumers. Uh, every feature of the product that we communicate, we try to communicate the benefit that goes with that feature. Um, and, and we also believe in less is more. That's another lesson. The, 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 the less complicated we make the product, the better the product works. And we try to uncomplicate the product the best that we can. You know, less is more is really, really important in the, in in athletic um, um, equipment. So those are those are some of the things that you know we kind of brought from from the other worlds that we were engaged in. Also, finding and keeping and communicating with what we call core users. We would rather sell to the same twenty thousand consumers twice a year, every year, than to sell randomly to customers that may never come back and purchase the product. So we're very focused on how we reach them, how we communicate with them, and how we retain their loyalty. So that um, it's once we retain someone's loyalty and they trust the product, it's easier for them to come back and then buy pads or girths or or anything else that we might offer versus, um, again, trying to do a shotgun approach to reach too many people at the same time who may or may not buy your product for the right reasons, and they may never buy another one of your products again because they they didn't buy it for the right reason to begin with. So we look for core, core repeat consumers. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Now, as mentioned, this is the Wisdom by Wisa podcast, and our good friends at Wisa, I'm certain, would like to have an idea of where their role fits into your role in terms of marketing and selling your product? Really, what, what, what the industry in general needs is a steady, central, well-attended show that retailers and manufacturers can come together very successfully. And because of the culture uh, of riding in, in, in North America, where we have a very, very healthy mix of Western disciplines, as well as what in North America is known as English disciplines, the rest of the world is just called riding. We, you know, we, I think WISA is specifically and, and very uniquely positioned to, cap, to, have that, to have that role of bringing all the disciplines together under one roof and retailers and manufacturers together in a successful way. And, and, and I think that that's, that's going to be the key to continued success. Okay. Very well. Listen, we could talk a long time because you're an interesting business, uh, interesting background. You go to market a little differently than other companies in the business, but I imagine you need to get back and try to design, make, and sell something. And we've taken a lot of your time, but I do want to thank you for taking the time to be on the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. I thank you very much for your time. I've enjoyed it. We have enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. Show notes and links from today's show are at www.wisdombywisa.com. And of course, we'd like to hear your feedback. We have a contact link on that website. The Wisdom by Wisa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. 
You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free, and it's super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. Wisa, where the industry meets.